We launched this series last week, and if you weren't here, or if you're here with us for the first time, you can catch up uh, via our podcast. But in summary, uh, the big idea from last week when we launched this series, Address the Mess, is that Jesus actually doesn't require us to hide our messes. I grew up in a family, uh, both parents of uh, British descent, and I've shared some of this before, people of British descent uh, are uh, largely taught to sweep one's mess under one's carpet. And uh, I discovered the longer life went on that sweeping one's mess under one's carpet doesn't address the mess, doesn't fix the mess. In fact, all it does is give you lumpy carpet. And here as Elevate Church, we want to create and we're committed to creating a safe environment where you can have a mess, be a mess, be in a mess, and, and actually don't, and not be afraid of judgment, criticism, uh, because that's, how, that's not how Jesus operated. In fact, Jesus, God sent him into the world, and I'm gonna come back to this, because of our mess. And uh, it's really a, 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 a one-two combination packaged in a thing called grace that Jesus accepts us where we are, loves us where we are, offers us mercy and compassion and unconditional love and acceptance and forgiveness where we are, regardless of how messy things are. And His grace comes gift-wrapped with the power to actually move beyond our mess. So we might be in a mess, we might have a mess, but we also don't need to get stuck in that mess because of Jesus. A few years ago, I was in the US doing some ministry stuff, boom, 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 bouncing around parts of the US. And part of my time there, I took a few days off and I went and hung out with uh, some of Louis and my uh, best friends. They live just outside of LA and uh, stayed a few days with them. And during the days, uh, mum and dad would go off to work and they had, uh, still have four kids, um, teenagers and, and primary aged at the time. And so Uncle Mark uh, on this particular day decided I was gonna take the kids for an outing while mum and dad were at work. And um, just prior to piling them into my rental, uh, we decided that it'll be a really nice gesture if uh, we uh, loaded the dishwasher and uh, had the dishes done and, and, and when we come back, we could pack them away and mum and dad could come back from work and you know, we'd probably put down a nice dinner and they'd just think, wow, you know, this is pretty cool. I could get used to this. Now, I just need to say, full disclosure, uh, it was only two months ago that I, we ever lived in a place with a dishwasher, like an automatic dishwasher, not a manual dishwasher. And um, so I don't, don't really have any track record with dishwashers. I, I've seen them advertised. That's about my only interaction uh, up until just recently. And so several years ago, I'm in the US with the friends. They have a big family, so they had a big dishwasher, big dishwasher, big. And uh, we loaded everything that we could into that dishwasher, every last bit of you know, utensils and whatever you put in dishwashers, dishes, I guess. And, we, and um, had a fully loaded, and just, just about to head out the door and I go to the, the cupboard where the dishwashing, dishwasher 
powder or tablets or whatever things you put in them should have been uh, to discover there weren't any. And uh, instead, all there was was one uh, squeezy bottle of uh, dish liquid. And so in my ignorance, I thought, that'll do. And uh, so, so I filled the, the compartment, the big dishwasher, big compartment with dish liquid, uh, highly sudsing dish liquid, but I get ahead of my story. Anyway, uh, closed the, cap, the, 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 the compartment for, for that with now fully loaded with dish liquid, put it up and you know, these are teenage kids, so things are, there's a lot of mess. And so we put it on the heavy duty pots cycle um, and, and headed out the door for a nice outing. We came back a few hours later and uh, they have an open plan layout uh, in their house. And at one end is the kitchen and the kitchen just opens out to, and the kitchen's tiled. And then that opens out to the dining area, which is also tiled. And then that opens out to the living uh, room, which is carpeted. And um, anyway, it's, it, it, it's now evident to me that you're not meant to put dish washing liquid into dishwashers because what happens is um, if you put it on the heavy pot cycle and you leave, when you come back, what happens is the kitchen is mm, just below knee level of bubbles. So is the dining area and the first third of the carpeted area of the lounge. Um, I discovered also that uh, bubbles from the dishwasher um, can very easily make their way into the cupboards and, and most of the shelving, the lower shelving areas of, of the cupboards can, can um, consume the legs of the wooden table and chairs that are in the dining room and that suds and, and wood don't go together. Uh, and that um, even though it's a cleaning liquid, it has the capacity to, to leave a very uh, obvious um, stain uh, mark on the carpet. I know that now. <laughs> I haven't done it since. But... but <laughs> But, but here was, I mean, that was the mess. But, but, but that wasn't the problem. The problem was that the mess was so extensive that not only did we not know where to begin to try and fix the mess, we weren't even convinced that it was possible to fix before mum and dad came home. And I wonder if that's a description of how some of you may be experiencing life right now, that you are in the sort of a mess that is so bad that you're not even sure where to begin and you're not even confident that it can be fixed. And in fact, I wanna speak to a group of people, particularly this morning, who you actually caused the mess 
that you're currently in. Because really when it comes down to messes, there's three categories of people. There are those who cause the mess that they're in. And I wanna particularly talk with you today. There are those in a mess, but you didn't cause it. It just came your way. Circumstances, other people, okay. And then there's a third uh, smug group of people who are, who are not in a mess. And they'll look at you with a grin and kind of like a pitiful look because you're in a mess and they're not. But I like to remind them that they are in between messes. And in fact, are just one stupid decision away from being in a mess. And if you're, whilst I wanna talk primarily to this group, the group of people who are in a mess that you caused the mess, I don't want you to switch off if you're in a mess that you didn't cause or if you're in between messes because what I wanna talk about will be very uh, apropos for you in the future when you invariably find yourself in a mess that you were the cause of. And you, if you're in this group, I don't know what your mess might be that you caused. It might've been something financial, you know, apply for another credit card to keep up with the payments on the credit card that you couldn't keep up with the payments for, or take that bargain from Radio Rentals that you can just only pay two and a half thousand dollars for a $400 dishwasher, whatever. Financially, it might be your mess. It might be a professional mess that you're in, some bad business decisions, some bad career decisions. It might be a relational mess that you're in. It may be uh, a parenting mess that you either, uh, that you as the parent have made some pretty uh, unfortunate decisions with regards to child raising. It might be a marital mess. I don't know. You may have gotten there because you ignored somebody's advice, ignored God, ignored your conscience, ignored your parents, ignored your best friends. I don't know, but <laughs> I want you to know that I've actually got some good news for you. I'm not gonna stand up here or sit and get judgy on you. And you didn't come here to get judged. In fact, if you're in a mess, chances are you came here hoping that God has some good news for you. Well, the good news is that God has some good news for you today. If you pop open your Elevate app, um, I'm gonna, it'll take you to what I think reasonably confidently I can say is the most famous verse in the Bible, which is a pretty big call. But those of you that have been, well, you don't even have to have been orbiting church for long to, to, to know this verse. You just have to have been watching an NFL game uh, at some point in your, his, in your history. And somebody in the crowd has got this on a big placard or somebody on one of the teams has got this underneath their uh, eyes on the little black um, kind of Band-Aid strips. Uh, John 3, 16. And John wrote, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You know, you could read that and, 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 the, and John's trying to say this similarly. For God so loved the mess that the world was in. For God so loved the people who couldn't get out of the mess they're in. For God so loved the people that got themselves into a mess so bad that they didn't know where to begin to fix it, nor did they think even that it was possible they could fix it. And that's what God did when He saw the mess that we were in. But then there's the poor cousin of this verse 
the not so famous next verse, John 3, 17, which is more good news for those of you in a mess. For God didn't send His Son in the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. God didn't send Jesus to condemn the world. That might be breaking news for some of you today. That might be breaking news that you can share with your friends who are in a mess when you leave here today. God didn't send Jesus to condemn people who are in a mess, but instead to save them. Let me, let me give you some examples. Jesus one day was doing His Jesus thing and, uh, and some of the religious leaders brought this woman, uh, probably naked, I don't know, they caught her uh, having sexual relations with somebody that was not her husband. And, and they threw this woman down in front of Jesus and they said to Jesus, hey, Jesus, we caught this woman doing the dance with no pants with someone that's not her husband. What, you know that the law says that we're meant to get rocks and stone her to death. That's the punishment. And we, the law says that. What do you say, Jesus. Now, now, here's the thing. Check yourself for a second. What, what do you think Jesus would say? If, if, you, if, if, you, if, if someone was presented to Him or you were presented to Him in a mess, what would Jesus say? Because that's what they're asking. Jesus, the law says, stone to death. What do you say? Well, the genius of Jesus is He didn't say anything to begin with. In fact, what he did, because Jesus doesn't answer every stupid question and nor should you. Not every comment deserves a response. So what Jesus did is he crouched down and he started writing stuff in the sand. Now, John recorded the story. He didn't say what Jesus wrote in the sand, but whatever it was, it caused the religious leaders and the people one at a time to drop their rock and scamper off. Now, some theologians, some Bible uh, big brain people think this, no way of proving this, but wouldn't this be cool? That they, they, they think that it's possible that Jesus bent down and started writing in the sand the names of the people who are holding the rocks and the sins that they've been committing that God wasn't happy about. We don't know, but it'll be pretty cool. Because <laughs> he knew. Whatever it was, they dropped their rocks and left. And this woman who'd been thrown down, and by the way, this story is one of the reasons we called ourselves Elevate Church. It was one of the pictures that God gave us to name our church elevate because this is what Jesus did is he reached down to this woman who was who was a split who was a mess and who was a split second away from capital punishment he reached down to her and he lifted her up he elevated her he brought her to his level but he first reached down to where she was. And, and, this, and then this is what he said. He, he said, look around. And she looked around. 
It says, does anyone condemn you? Well, there wasn't anyone left. Does anyone condemn you? Does anyone condemn you? He's left and he's even out. Does anyone condemn you? She's like, huh, no. And he said, good. And neither do I condemn you. You met her with his love and his mercy and his compassion. But remember, this, this whole thing comes gift wrapped with empowerment because he then said, now go and sin no more. Now that you've met me, go and sin. He didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Another time, Jesus is doing his Jesus thing. And he's walking along, teaching, hanging out, healing. You're blind, see, you can't walk, get up, walk. Doing his Jesus thing. Everyone's impressed. Crowds are gathering, hanging out, pushing in. Get like, you know, wanting a front row uh, seat to see Jesus just passing by. And one of the people orbiting the area is a guy named Zacchaeus. Now Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was a Jewish person, but he worked for the Romans. That was no bueno. That was a bad, bad deal. But Zacchaeus, not only, so he was looked down on by his peers. He wasn't just looked down because he was a tax collector. He was looked down on because he was a tax collector who also added his own little bit on the side. So if you came, if Zacchaeus came to you and said, you owe 20% taxes, he wouldn't say that. He'd say you owe 25% and he'd pass the 20% onto the Romans and he'd actually pocket the 5% for himself. And everyone knew this, but they were powerless to stop him. So they hated Zacchaeus, looked down on him. But that wasn't the only reason they looked down on him. He was a midget, he was short. He was of little tiny stature. And so Jesus is passing by. Nobody liked him. Nobody was making his way to say, hey, Zacchaeus, come up to the front. No, they were shut blocking him. Mate, you've been ripping us off for years. You ain't getting through. You ain't getting a front row seat. Well, he couldn't see from the back row. So what did he do? He climbed a tree. I love that. By the way, this story is another reason we called ourselves Elevate Church because Jesus passing by, He didn't look down on Zacchaeus who was now in a tree, He looked up. He, he actually looked at Zacchaeus, looked up, elevated his gaze to Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus was a mess. He was in a tree, it was a mess. And Jesus said to him, hey buddy, I'm not here to condemn you. In fact, I want you to come down from that tree and I'm coming to your house for lunch. One day Jesus was doing his Jesus thing and he was with his 12 merry men, walking through a part of the world that he wasn't meant to be. He was a Jew, so with his merry men, they went through a part of the world called Samaria and Jewish people weren't meant to go through Samaria. They would walk around the long way to avoid the Samaritans, but not Jesus, no. He's walking through Samaria and it's around lunchtime. So his boys, you know, they're a little bit short-sighted. They were just thinking with their stomachs, it's a guy thing. And Jesus, what are we gonna have for lunch? He goes, look, just you go up. There's a subway in the village. Go and grab some, some six inches, some footlongs. I'm gonna hang down here by the well. Now, here's the thing. Would have been middle of the day, lunchtime, hence why they were getting lunch. And um, Jesus sitting by a well. Nobody was out and about in the middle of the day in that part of the world. It was likely 45, 50 degrees Celsius. And people from Arizona will tell you, but it's a dry heat. It's 50 degrees. I don't care what sort of heat it is. It's hot, dang hot. And a uh, little good morning, good morning Vietnam, old school pop culture, reef. thank you, Greece, uh, reference. And, um, and a woman comes, 
to draw water from the well. Now, now, you did not go and draw water from the well in the middle of the day when it's 50 degrees. You went first thing in the morning before it got hot. The problem is this woman was so looked down on by her fellow village people, oh, I try to avoid saying that, <laughs> that she had to go when, when no one was there and draw water when it was 50 degrees. And who did she meet there? She met Jesus. And Jesus started telling her a little bit about her life. Hey, sweetheart, I know stuff about you. She's like, yeah, like what? Well, I know that you've actually been married and divorced five times, which by the way, even today would seem a little extreme for anybody in our current 21st century Western society. Back then, that was unconscionable. No wonder she was uh, very much excluded from her fellow uh, kinfolk and had to come in her own time while there was no one else around to judge her and draw her water. And, she said, and then Jesus says, and by the way, I also know that the dude that you shacked up with at the moment is in your husband. So this is five husbands plus the sixth live-in lover. She's like, all right, okay. I see you can kind of figure some stuff out. She's now waiting for the judgment the condemnation. All right, come on, join the chorus. I hear it all day, every day, give it to me. And Jesus, instead of condemning her, said to her, sweetheart, I'm the Messiah you've been waiting for. I want you to start following me. I'm gonna actually give you water that will never run dry. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The week before Easter, Tanya Watson taught from this stage, week three of a series we called The Bad Boys of Easter. And she talked about two guys who were hanging on crosses either side of Jesus, two thieves, two freedom fighters. The thing that was, in, that was uh, odd about the three people that were on crosses that day is two of them were criminals who were there because they got the punishment they deserved and yet Jesus in the middle got punishment that he didn't deserve. And one of them started mocking Jesus, throwing shade on him. Oh yeah, you're the Messiah, you've come to save the world. Can't even save yourself, buddy. If you're so powerful, if you're so clever, pull yourself down off the cross, save yourself. The other guy on the other side says, mate, shut up. We're here because we got what we deserve. We deserve this, all right? So who are you to be start, you know, mouthing off at this uh, guy? Now, Jesus, uh, will you remember me when you enter your kingdom? And Jesus said, mate, I won't only remember you because you recognise that I'm the son of God, you're coming with me. So Jesus didn't come into this world to condemn the world, but to save the world. If you're in a mess that you don't think there's any way out of, and you don't think you can fix it on your own, you need to know that Jesus invited messy people to follow Him while they were still messy. And here's what He offered them. He didn't offer them a five-step get-out-of-your-mess plan. He didn't hand them a book, read this book and do what it says. He offered himself 
as the solution. And here's how that works. After the encounter with the woman caught in adultery, uh, people wanting to stone her to death, Jesus turned to the, there was still people around, but not the judgy ones. And he said to them, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. There is some keys hidden in plain sight in Jesus' words right there. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. I'm gonna put it to you, and this works for me as well. Whenever you and I find ourselves in a mess that we caused, we were not following Jesus at that point in our life. Now, I'm not saying you weren't a follower of Jesus. Like, you know, when I was 17, I became a follower of Jesus. I'm saying in that situation, in that moment, in that season, because it wasn't Jesus that led you into the mess. It wasn't Jesus that said, spend more than you earn. It wasn't Jesus that said, abuse your spouse. It wasn't Jesus that said, be a flake at your job. It wasn't Jesus that said, cheat on your taxes. It wasn't Jesus that said, don't honour your parents. Because following Jesus is not a one-time decision. It's not enough for us to say, I, 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 I became a follower of Jesus when I was 17. I became a follower of Jesus when I got out of bed this morning. At least I tried. Coffee helped. Because following Jesus isn't a one-time decision, it's an everyday decision. It's an every situation decision. It's an every season decision. It's in this time, situation, season, I will follow Jesus. So guess what? If you find yourselves in a mess, it wasn't Jesus that led you there, but the wise person will follow Jesus out of the mess. Because when you find yourself in darkness, here's a key, find someone with some light and follow them and they'll show you the way out. So Jesus didn't point to the light. He said, I am the light and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but you'll have access to the light of life. Now I need to just bring you down a little though. I said I had some good news and, it, and it's good news. It's actually pretty great news. But I, just wanna, I just wanna qualify something. It's important I qualify this. I'm not talking about RAC roadside assist in this particular scenario. You cannot pray your way out of a mess that you behaved yourself into. It's pretty good, huh? Someone should put that out on social media. I'll tell you what, I will. I'm gonna say it again. You cannot pray your way out of a mess that you behaved 
yourself into. Oh yeah, it'd be nice. RAC roadside assist, uh, uh, RAC Jesus uh, mess side assist. Hey Jesus, in a mess, come and get me out. And he goes, pulls up in his little yellow Jesus mobile, says, bum, 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 bum. 20 minutes later, mess is fixed. You're like, he's like, see you later. You're like, thanks Jesus. That'd be brilliant. Brilliant. I'd be up for that. I would. Don't, don't think it's just you. I feel the same way. Man, RAC Jesus roadside assist. Anytime you get a mess, quick call, bam, 20 minutes later, on your way. You can't pray your way out of a mess that you behaved yourself into. But, but here's another thing. And the reason it's not RAC Jesus roadside assist is because Jesus has something even better for you than just fixing your mess. He's got a bigger plan than just fixing our mess. His plan at the very centre is a relationship with you and I. Whether we're in a mess or in between a mess, his priority is relationship. Now, behaviour matters. Behaviour matters. Stupid behaviour causes a mess. Wise behaviour, you're more likely to avoid a mess. Behaviour matters, but every loving father will tell you that they'd rather have some imperfect children who love them than perfect, well-behaved children who don't really like them very much, right? Any parents with me on that? You'd rather your kids be a little bit messy but love you than be perfect, well-behaved, but they can't stand the side of you? God's got a much bigger plan, bigger purpose for you and I than just fixing our messes. And that plan is relationships, but it all matters. But at the start of it, Jesus said, follow me. If you're in a mess, a mess so big, you may have caused it and it's so big and you don't know where to begin and you don't even, you're not even sure you can ever get out of it. Jesus said, the first and most important thing you need to do when you address the mess is follow me. I don't condemn you, I've come to save you, follow me. I'm gonna land this this morning by answering the question that some of you are asking, how? How, can you take this follow me concept from something beyond just a concept to what does this look like when you say follow me every situation, every day? Well, thankfully, Jesus said this. Matthew recorded it. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock, but everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And sandwiched right in between there is verse 25, where Jesus, having contrasted two different people, the people that do what he says, listen and do what he says, and those that, well, they may hear, but they don't put his words into practice. That one is building their house on a rock and the other is building their house on sand. This is so important right here. 
That, that both of these people heard Jesus' words. You understand? This isn't a those that heard, those that didn't hear. This is actually people sitting in churches, people reading their Bibles, people praying every day. But the difference is between those that put them into practice and those that don't. And he wedges in between. This is the difference that makes. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. And yet it didn't fall because it had its foundation on the rock. You and I in life will experience storms, will experience messes. Some of them will be beyond our control, but, but, but the storms will come. And the messes will appear. But if we hear Jesus' words and put them into practice, we will have fewer regrets, less storms. Not none, but less. And even when they do come, we won't fall. Because in those situations, the buildup, was us building our house on the rock. And I know some of your stories, personal stories, and I'm privileged to, to know some of your personal stories. And if I was to kind of wrap some of your personal stories up into little social mediaable slide, it'd look like this. This describes some of you I messed up and I messed up and I didn't know if it could be fixed. I certainly didn't know where to start, so I gave up. But, but something in me, some hope rose, some faith rose and I surrendered to Jesus and decided that, yeah, it wasn't his fault getting into this mess, but he's got more light than me and he can help me out of it. So I looked up. And when I looked up, God showed up. For God so loved the mess that He gave His one and only Son. And He didn't send His Son Jesus in the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. God showed up. It was the mess that caused the meeting. Now, let me ask you, how many of you, this is your story? How many of you can say, this was my story. And it might've been your story last week. It might've been your story last year. It might've been your story last decade. Awesome. Mine too. This is my story. This isn't just preacher's talk. This is people's story. And if, you're, if you haven't yet graduated beyond the first bit, you're in a mess and you don't think you can get out of, here's the good news that you may be tempted to give up. You know what? That can be some of the best thing you can do. Give up doing it your way and start doing it Jesus' way. Give up doing some of the things that got you into that mess and start looking to the light of the world to lead you out of that mess. Look up at Him and trust that He's gonna show up. So I'm gonna do one thing as we finish right now. For those of you this morning that are in a mess, in a moment, I want you to stand up. And uh, I want you to stand up and I realize that that's gonna take some courage for you to stand up. I can pretty much assure you that you standing up and acknowledging that you're in a mess 
no one's gonna judge you. Or as I said to the team this morning, if they do, let me know where they live. And I'll send some of Louis' uncles around this afternoon <laughs> to show them how Jesus really sees things. I actually, not to cover you up or to give you a hiding, I actually want us all to stand in a moment. And, and some of you, I want you to stand because you're in a mess and you need some light. You need to look up and you need to trust that God's gonna show up. And, 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 and I'm not gonna be able to pray an abracadabra prayer because you can't pray your way out of a mess that you behaved yourself into. But I am gonna pray for you that you will look up, that you will put your attention on the light to lead you to, over time to build your house on a rock. But I want everyone to stand because I want you to know, for those of you that are in a mess, that we as Elevate Church, when someone's in a mess, that we're gonna come alongside you, we're gonna put our arm around you, we're gonna be your biggest cheerleaders, your biggest supporters, not your critics, we're gonna be your biggest fans, we're gonna be people that represent Jesus when someone's in a mess. So how about those of you in a mess and the rest of us stand and let me pray. And I don't know who of you are in a mess and who of you, who are you, who of you are standing because I asked you to stand with the messy ones. But you know if you're in a mess and God knows if you're in a mess. And so I'm praying for you right now. God, those people that are standing before you, I pray that this morning is good news to them, that they get a fresh look at who you are, Jesus, and why you came and who you wanna be in their lives, that you did not come to condemn them, but to save them. And, and those people, particularly those who are in a situation that they're not even sure they're gonna be able to get themselves out of, well, I, I hope today is news that they don't have to rely on their own smarts, their own strength, their own cunning and savvy to get out of that mess, but instead that they would switch their gaze from their situation, switch their gaze from their patterns that got them into that mess to, to, to you, the light of the world, to lead them out of that mess. That from here, it, it may take time, it, it's, it's gonna be a process you build your house on the rock. It takes time, it's a process. But that there'd be renewed focus, renewed hope, renewed commitment, yeah. that we aren't just people who follow you, who decide to follow you once in a lifetime, but we decide to follow you every situation, every season. In Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, grab a seat. I'm gonna do one more thing, then hand off to Jared. Uh, those of you I've said this morning that need, that have, uh, it's good. I love praying for you guys, you know. It's a great privilege. I don't take it lightly. If you've never made a decision to start following Jesus, I wanna encourage you to make that decision today. And I wanna give you the opportunity right now to make that decision. So in a moment, for those of you that have never actually made a decision to start following Jesus, I just want you to put your hand up and you say to him, that's the decision I'm making today. I'm, 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 I'm choosing to follow you. 
So right now, those of you that have never made that decision, how about you put your hand up? I'll see your hand. You can put it down. I'll pray for you. Simple as that. Jesus said, come follow me. If you've never said yes, put your hand up and I'll pray for you. 